Hey everyone, I'm Matthew. And I'm Ileana. Welcome to the Armory. This is a place where believers can be encouraged to live for Jesus and make disciples. We want to provide an arsenal of resources that help Christians to be bold in their faith. Our hope is that through this podcast, people will learn to love God's Word and abide in Christ. Thanks for joining. Welcome to this week's episode of The Armory. We're doing something a little different today. I'm not joined by Ileana, who normally is here. In fact, I am joined by her brother-in-law. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as not as pretty. Spencer so. Profrock. Spencer, welcome to the show. Thank you. I just found out you've never listened to our podcast. Though. Yeah, um, yeah. It's kind of like a, this is kind of a double-edged sword here. A little bit of a... So are you going to start listening after this, or are you just going to listen to the episodes that you're on? You know, it depends. I'll have to see if it's, uh, you know, if it's interesting, Matt. <laughs> so real quick, why don't you tell us who you are, what it is you do, what it, like, if your family life, what that looks like, who are you? The people have no idea who you are. They just know your name, Spencer, and your illness, yeah. brother-in-law. Give us a little quick snippet. Yeah, so I'm... 28 years old, been married for eight years um, to my beautiful wife, Katie. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on air. She's she's <laughs> she's smoking hot. Um, but I have uh, three girls. Um, Emsley's my oldest, um, seven years old. And then uh, Mila's five. And then Winnie's four. So we got started out real quick. I was 20 years old when we got married, 19 engaged, and then... Um, yeah, yeah. So five, I think, what was it, like somewhere between 9 and 27 days after we got married, Emsley was conceived. There you go. So I was basically like, yes, we, well, we figured that out. We wanted to know if it was going to be, if she was a honeymoon baby, because it happened so quick. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. And so that was a big, uh, I think that that was what honestly propelled me into manhood, because that and my wife, because she probably knew more about being a man than I did at 20 years old. I was still a boy, um, just in a man's body, basically. And so God knew exactly um, what I needed in order to enter into um, manhood. And it was honestly responsibility, without a doubt. I was, uh, yeah, there was a lot to learn. Like I was new in my faith and uh, had a genuine love for the Lord. But I think that there was a, a lack of discipline and uh yeah just like i needed the heat to be able to uh yeah mold me into who god wants me to be and he's he's still doing that now but i've kind of like learned to um i've learned to surrender to him sooner than what i did early on in marriage i think yeah. and just in in life so yeah i gave my life to christ um it would have been somewhere between 2012, 2013, um, right around 17, 18 years old. Um, and, uh, yeah, not, not too long after that 2015, we got, we got married. I did not know Katie at the time. Um, I knew her dad, um, and he was there the day I got baptized. I don't even, you know, I, I didn't even ask him if he remembers if I, when I got baptized. I remember him because he had the yeah. bandana and the tattoos. And I'm like, who the heck is this guy helping <laughs> baptize me? He needs to be getting in that water. <laughs> so, so he's been on the podcast a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like. bandana, but he still has the tattoos. Yeah, yeah. So, so fast forward, like, I didn't, 
I mean, I had seen Katie like walking through the halls at church and I was like, man, she's, she's good looking, but she has a girlfriend <laughs> or she had a boyfriend at the time. And, uh, so yeah, so I was like, okay, I gotta be hands off. It would be bad to be breaking up relationships within the church. Bad idea, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, here we are. It's crazy. Here we, here we are. So you've kind of hinted at it already. You've mentioned this idea of masculinity, manhood yeah. already like twice. And I feel like, I don't know if you would agree with this, but you've had some pretty manly, to use a term, careers in your life. Yeah. What, what were those? Yeah. Uh, so I would say um, stepping out. I So I originally had a, um active contract um, with the Marine Corps. I switched it up. I think God put it on, on my heart that I was going to be um, a family man. Um, I had grown up like always just reading the military books, like just being indelved into the adventure aspect and like, man, I'm going to yeah. travel the world. I'm going to go to all these different countries and that's going to be my thing. And I'm going to like climb that spec ops ladder. And so I had a reconnaissance contract and then, yeah, God put it on my heart. And so the way that I, I think I like tried to manipulate God's plan for me was I was like, oh, okay, well I'll do the platoon leaders course and I'll go to college. And, uh, and, and while I do the reserve thing and then I'll get out and I'll go active. Well, um, yeah, no, first off, like I was not focused enough in school. Like I really had to be um, on a schedule, on a routine, on a grind. And then, um, and that kind of like just kept me on a good pathway. Um, and honestly, so, so yeah, so I did about a semester of school, went off for, um, I had switched my contract to reserves, um, infantry. Um, and then, so I went on a date with Katie, um, December 1st of 20, 2013. And then January fourteenth, twenty fourteen, left for um, left for boot camp, and uh, yeah, then went off to boot camp, school of infantry, and then came back, um, and kind of without giving like too much detail and everything, but um, Katie and I started um, dating within my ten days of leave between boot camp and school of infantry because you get like ten days of leave in between that okay. time you come back home. Suckered her into dating me officially because she on December first she wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, so that was kind of like what propelled me into manhood because I actually so Pastor Eric here at our church, um, so he was kind of giving us like dating counseling. I would say like Katie and I, and he was like, "Yo, do you you guys want to have sex?" He's like, "Well, you, you need to." Uh, you need to be married. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and without giving out like too much details, like whatever. So it's like, okay, well, do you, you have enough for three months, three months rent? Like then you can, cause I thought I had to have a four year degree. I thought I had to, um, I thought I had to be settled with yeah. a home, like kind of like your standard American setup where like yeah. man goes out, he, he, uh, um, has his income flowing in and then, and then he settles down, finds a wife, and then either he already has a home or they buy a home together. And then once they're settled, then they can they can have, establish their family. He's like, that's not what you need to be able to have a, a marriage. Like he's like, yeah. you just need three months rent. You guys can figure all this out like together. Which was honestly like, I was a procrastinator. Like I just wasn't. I was going to shirk off any bit of responsibility. Um, 
just like selfish, you know, selfishly. Yeah. Um, and so stepping in and becoming um, a husband was like step one that God knew that because he's obviously working on us as a couple, but he's also working on, on me as an individual and getting rid of my, my selfishness. So, um, yeah, he, uh, so yeah, I went out, got a, like a, a basic job, worked some like construction while I, was, I did two more semesters of school and, uh, yeah, I know I'm giving you the roundabout. I, I'm such a details guy. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, but be honestly, being a man has more than my jobs has been so much more about being a husband and being a father than, um, than any of my jobs have been like, yeah. because you can be a man and you can pursue all the, the career things and, um, like, and I'm, I should put the quotation fingers up, be a man and yeah. pursue all your career things, but you're still a boy. Like mm-hmm. you can pursue the spec op stuff. You can pursue all those like super masculine things and just be pursuing them all for yourself. Mm-hmm. But like within the biblical view of masculinity, it's like, no, who are you putting before yourself? That's the, that's the true question is, are yeah. you, are you actually being selfless? Cause you can pursue a lot of things that sound like selfless things, but you're doing it all for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what it would have been yeah. for me if I would have been joining, you know, special forces and all that stuff. It would have been just to my own glory. Um, so anyway, what propelled me next into, um, so I went into, um, corrections cause we found out we were having Emsley. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember being like, man, I'm 20 years old, going to step in working at prison and uh so yeah i did um that but it was i was very thankful because we needed the money we needed the insurance i needed that for for um the girls and so i was like yeah whatever it takes to provide and it was it was funny because i would have never found myself in the spot where like yeah i'm gonna go work corrections like and 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 actually in the law enforcement realm here um there's some there's some people who can frown upon it and honestly like there are some some shady people that do work there like just frankly like it can be kind of like a corruption cesspool Hmm. and so where i'm at now people kind of look back at that and like yeah that's kind of like amateur you know but it's like i worked with a (laughs) lot of a lot of great people great hard workers um people that i have the utmost respect for um a lot of a lot of veterans that combat veterans who um you know and and um you know people with experience that would put a lot of my my current law enforcement partners to shame if you want to put it there so that's kind of me silencing like some of the critics of those people because um the people who are doing that job that's a tough job yeah it is a tough job sure. so um i worked for um about three years there um and that really you have to learn to deal with people and you you um learn that you're you're just flesh and mm-hmm. uh there's some there's some people in there that some big dudes, you know what I mean? And like, you kind of figure out real quick, like you're not the top dog. And, um, so it's a, that's a humbling experience. Um, but yeah. Um, so did, did three years there. Um, and, uh, I started actually considering, okay, am I going to go into, um, ministry? Is God calling me into law enforcement? What's God calling, what's God calling me to? Um, and he made it very, very evident, um, that he was calling me into, um, law enforcement. So I started pursuing the state police and that path just, um, opened up. So I've been there for 
it'll be six years in um, January, uh, four years after I went to boot camp, January 14th, um, uh, 2014 was boot camp. And then four years after that was January 14th, 2018, went to the state police academy and kind of a cool little thing in there is like, I met my, my best friend um, and we went to school, we went to basic together. We went to school of infantry together. We went to the same, we're rack mates in school of infantry. Um, and then we went to the same reserve unit. He ended up switching, going to, um, there was a recon, uh, unit just South. He went, pursued his, you know, the special ops goal. And yeah. I stayed back to do the family thing. And, uh, um, but then four years later, we ended up going off to the state police Academy together and God's really used, um, him in my life and, um, myself and his, and it's been great to have accountability, um, where we could have been isolated in some areas and, um, helped us to, to keep the faith. But yeah, uh, I apologize. I know you're trying to touch on the, the masculinity thing. But. No, this is good because you get a whole picture of kind of where you've been, who you are. You've lived a pretty, you, you've been in and out of all these worldly masculine circles. And it's interesting because we live in a weird time because we could easily talk about, well, that's not what masculinity is, right? Just being, you know, in the military or being bigger than other people. We talked about like being right, stronger right. than these guys or being able to yeah. just get all the money you need to, for your family. Like those aren't just things that masculinity encompasses. But then mm. there's the other side of it because that used to be kind of the big thing. Now there's the other yeah, side yeah. of it where the world would say, yeah, that is masculinity and it's bad. Mm. Um, we got to get rid of it. Uh, it's toxic. Mm. Yeah. Uh, all these kind of buzzwords. And I feel like there's so many attacks on whatever, whatever adjective you want to put in front yeah. of there. Masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I'm trying to figure out is why. Why does it, why does the world hate masculine men? And when I say masculine men, I'm talking from a, a framework of biblical man, manhood. Why do, oh, why yeah. does the world Satan hates it? Hate that stuff. Yeah. And are, is the church, the men in the church, are they actually being biblical men and if we were all biblical men would the world hate the, hate us do they hate the version that we claim to be I th I th we're men and we're christians yeah so that makes us biblical christian men right you know yeah, not yeah. necessarily and is that what the version that the world hates or does would the world actually hate biblical masculinity you know i wonder i wonder what that line is yeah i i think that they i think that the truth is is um satan hates biblical masculinity mm -hmm. i think it varies on person to person on um, their perspective and whether they've seen a true, um, like truly what biblical masculinity is. I, I can't say for, for everybody else, but I know why why the the general like heat and pressure is against biblical masculinity is because like it, Satan doesn't want us laying our lives down for our family mm -hmm. because we are ultimately the ones who are going to, families fall apart yeah. without men loving their wives and their kids and uh and so that's why yeah um th i would say that's why there's the heat and the pressure because it's we know who the, the god of this world is mm -hmm. and he's going to do everything to collapse that yeah um and whether whether it's people um from the eyes of like um you know from the lens of hey i'm gonna be the the he'll he'll what i say is he'll try to influence men to either take up like the emasculated perspective, worldly emasculated perspective, or the incredibly selfish, I'm going to pursue being the most extreme man ever while yeah. my family's on the back burner. Yeah, you know? so let's let's look at those real quick. 
what would you say if you're talking about that that, that second one? Mm. The most extreme version of a man, yeah. man, family on the back burner. What's the difference between that kind of man and a biblical man? What kind? Of, what's the difference between that masculinity and what God's called us to do? As I men? think it's two different pursuits. Yeah. Right? So what's the what's like, what are those? So one one is a uh, one's a biblical pursuit, and um, you know the pursuit of the glory of God, and um, that that those around us would know the Lord mm-hmm. and, and first and foremost, our family. Yeah. Um, while the other end is I'm pursuing these things, um, truthfully to my own glory, um, to, I think for a lot of us is to silence a lot of insecurities that maybe we even have within our own minds, um, to be this best version of, of myself, but really like w- not benefiting um, there's no it, really even not. I think that there's a lot of philanthropists within kind of like this current masculine um, scheme, you know, the, like um, trend, I guess I should say that's out there. Like there's a lot of belie- or non-believers out there that are doing the super masculine thing and and they are trying to they know, hey, I need to be doing this for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're ultimately still missing the mark that they're they're not spreading it for the glory of glory of God still out there doing yeah. good. Um and uh, anyway, I know I kind of got sidetracked on on that mark, but um, yeah, like for me, it's like I know that you talk circles of stewardship, and um, first and foremost, you know, like I said, I'm doing this for my family, and so I could pursue like now that I'm in the state police, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go after the ES team, whether it's the like that's our our emergency support team, mm-hmm. um, kind of you got your your big macho men and. Uh, and I'm I'm not throwing any sort of shade at all those guys, sure. great great dudes, right? And yeah. like, and it's a tough job because you got to answer a lot of calls. And when you have um, your family, um, all they sacrifice for it, right? And I'm not saying that there aren't men who are called by the Lord into that. 100%, they are, and mm-hmm. I I could be called into it too. But the moment that it comes at the expense of my my family knowing the Lord and and growing closer and and seeing. Um, God's glory, that's when I have to really call into question. And is this yeah. a pursuit for me um, so that I can kind of like add that that ribbon or that medal to my chest um, for others to see? Or is it something that um, I'm doing for the glory of God? And those are the, we have to weigh that out when we pursue different um, career things, hobbies, like all those things have to be within that lens and that perspective, I think. yeah. Um, I don't know if I... Hundred percent. I hope I I answered that relatively yeah. clearly. If well, you need some clarification. Well, so here's the other thing, right? Is there anything you know? You, we kind of made that contrast. There's the hypermasculine men yeah. that the world looks at, and then right, there's right. biblical manhood. Is there any overlap there? Oh, for sure. Yeah, Is there yeah. anything good about? Let's take like the Joe Rogans of the world, and yeah. and the Jordan Peterson, the things yep. he talks about, and the the Jocko Willinks, you know, yeah. former Navy SEAL, yeah. You know, we have to be men. Have to be able to fight. Men have to be able to defend. Men have to be able to, yeah. you know, take up the call, take action. They have to be able to mm. be incredibly the potential for incredible violence and aggression, but know how to handle it. Is there any truth to that in the idea of biblical masculinity, or, or are they just separate things? So I, I think and then I'm gonna. You might see where I'm going here. I'm gonna, for sure. Look at the other side too, right? The, yeah, yeah. The effeminate version of yeah, masculinity. Yeah. We got to look at this whole spectrum. But is there any overlap where yeah. those things have to be boxed up? No, no, no. There is 100% overlap. I think that when you when you think about what actually Jocko's teaching, 
right? Yeah. And I, I'm not a big Jocko. I don't I don't listen to a lot of his stuff, but a lot of his like um, catchphrases out mm-hmm. there, um, like uh, what um, what's his unaccountability? Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't know, Jocko Willink is a former Navy SEAL platoon commander. He's an author. Um, he's basically now a in a place where he, he has a podcast, but essentially mm-hmm. his kind of goal in life right now is he seems like he's trying to encourage young kids, young mm-hmm. men, uh, men who aren't necessarily young yeah. to be men. Yeah. Um, he's not a believer mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. Yeah. But he seems to have an appropriate for in, in some way, an appropriate view of masculinity that yeah. men have to be strong. Men have yeah. to be. Uh, capable of defending, but there's but there's a, a place where that's too much. So for those of you who don't know who Jocko is, he's kind of a podcaster now. He does mm-hmm. a lot of seminars, things like that. He's a, he does a lot of business coaching, um, but he talks about a lot about accountability. He talks yeah. a lot about those things. Yeah. But you you think there is a place? Yeah. For for what he's saying, for what those people are yeah. saying, you get to work out, take care of yourself, all that stuff can exist in biblical masculinity. Yeah, you know, actually what I would highlight from from Jocko more than I would highlight um, even like the jujitsu and the Navy SEALness is like yeah. all, all that. And I use that as a, uh, you know, a description, descriptive word, Navy SEALness. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think it's fitting. But I, I think that what's actually more um, applicable from what he teaches in the overlap is he preaches on accountability, leadership yeah. accountability and... Um, yeah, kind of like at what we say at our churches, if all you, if all that you're wrong on is, and this is rarely me, but, um, is 10% own your 10% yeah. and own it 100%. And Jocko pretty much says the same exact things. And I, and, um, I think that that's an echo of humility from within the Bible. And there's a lot of, and you look at where our military originated at, right? Like, um, you know, in why our country, why the countrymen who fought for our country fought, it was generally speaking, biblical principles. And those have still transcended until 2023 within the, within the military realm. So there's a lot of biblical principles that are being taught that Jocko may not even, he may not even attribute it to the Bible, but uh, listen, the, the Puritans were were preaching the Bible, and that was you know, those a lot of those guys were the frontiersmen, and obviously a lot of them the the signees of the uh, um, Declaration of Independence and you mm-hmm. know our Bill of Rights. So there's a lot of stuff that these guys are teaching that are biblical. Nothing new principles. under the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a lot of uh, a lot of overlap, um, and I don't even know if I would call it overlap. I would just say that it's branch. It's it's still biblical fruit. It's yeah. still, it still can be given back to the glory can still be given back to God because yeah. he, he was the author of, of that good attribute that, yeah. um, you know, that, that Jocko and a lot of these other guys, um, these other guys talk about. And, um, so yeah, over overlap, I think it's, uh, it's actually a, a it's a fruit yeah. and a byproduct of men living out biblical principles at the, at the least you mm-hmm. know yeah so there's that right and that's been around for a while yeah this dichotomy between biblical masculinity and maybe for the sake of this conversation just because it's a buzzword right toxic masculinity we've gone too far one direction um but there's a whole other side 
of this too that I think's kind of crept up in the past. I don't know how long do you think it's been. It hasn't been that long. Um, where masculinity has become effeminate, like you mentioned, um, where the world is t- teaching men not to be manly, not to be. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a response to what the world would call toxic masculinity. Let's take it way over here where we're stripping men of what it means to be men. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you mentioned that, like there's, there's that polar side. I feel like that's all in the world right now too. Yeah. Um, but I think that's also not a picture of biblical masculinity, a biblical manhood. Yeah. What you, do you think about that? What you're saying is like the, the contrast of the, um, the, the over, over feminizing of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that what can happen is when you have over, overly masculine, um, like, and I don't even want to use, use that, that term because I think it's, um, it's misused. It's sure. It, um, but when you look at calloused hard men who were not tender hearted to their children, mm-hmm. um, they weren't safe spaces for their families. And um, maybe they were more prone to anger and violence and it turned. And, and so then you have people who are the byproducts of that. And so they tend to yeah. um, revolt against that, sure. that image of a man. And then you have the over feminine side of it where it's like, well, I'm going to be super sensitive. And, and that's such a, and I, I think too, like I'm kind of encapsulated, encapsulating like probably even too much, but that's the simplest way that I could maybe chalk up like one equation on how we ended sure. up where we're, where we're at now. Yeah. You know, a lack of, a lack of the sensitivity on a, on a, on a, the worldly perspective of a masculine man. Yeah. It sounds like I don't want to I don't want to quote you out of context, but it sounds like what you're saying is biblical masculinity at, at its core. We'll get to the core in a second, but there are things that are important for men on the right side of the equation. It's important for men to be able to protect, to be able to provide, to be able to do those things. It's also important for men to be able to <laughs> express emotion, have emotional intelligence, feel things, care for people, be loving 100%. and kind. And where those two ideas come together. And we go, okay, now how do we do both of those for the ultimate pursuit and glory of the Lord? Yeah. That's biblical masculinity. Right. Is that what you'd say? 100%. And I, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I would say, like, David was a warrior poet. Yeah. like David's a great example. Read, read the Psalms. Like, he... He not only killed thousands of of the Philistines, <laughs> killed but, he, but lions he, and <laughs> but he also openly wept and like yeah. for for all the seat and like he showed humility in the fact that um, he sinned and he messed up and when he sinned he repented and so he showed the tenderness and um, humility you know outwardly first and foremost to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my like. If, I feel like that pretty much just yeah, right there. If, you know, not a perfect man, but no. a man who's able to say I'm wrong here, and I'm gonna repent before the Lord. Yeah. So you have three daughters. Yeah. Um, they're great. Yeah. And yeah. it's fun to see how I haven't seen them in a while. I just saw them this week for the first time, yeah. almost a year. Yep. So it's cool to see them growing up. So here's the the question I have for you: How are you as a dad who's trying to be a biblical man? A, a, a man of biblical masculinity trying to teach them what that looks like. Cause one day they're going to get married mm-hmm. and you want them to marry 
men who 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 know what what this is, who have mm. a correct view of biblical masculinity, who are who are men that are after God's own heart in that sense. Going back to David, how are you trying to model that for your kids and your family? Uh, you know, first and foremost, like whether I'm whether I model it or not, the Holy Spirit's got to you know be actively working within within their hearts, and that's that's the biggest thing. Like when I when I think about it, it's like. I need to be in prayer mm-hmm. over the Lord working in in their hearts and that they would they would see him first, right? Like before I even get down to like who they who they marry and and all that it's like are they girls who on their own have are willing to take a stand for their faith that their their love for the Lord is so genuine they won't be swept up by some fraud. Mm-hmm. You know, they recognize the real thing because they've seen the real thing. And first and foremost, they know dad's not the real thing. Yeah. I'm not I'm I'm not yeah. the real thing. Like Jesus Christ is the real thing. Mm-hmm. God himself is the real thing. And so um I point them to that all the time through my failures. Yeah. Like through the countless times I have to apologize to them, through the countless times that I don't treat their mom the way that she's supposed to be treated. And so, um, first and foremost, I just, I pray that they're all believers and that they love, they love the Lord. Um, so, um, yeah. and you know, right now it's fun getting to captivate their imaginations and, and point them, um, to the glory of God and hope that they taste and see that he's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I like how you said that, you know, you're trying to show them a picture of what masculinity looks like pointing them to Jesus, showing them, trying your best to emulate Christ. You yeah. know? And when I don't, I'm going to show you how I didn't. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. I think it was a sermon. I was, I think it was, pro- I think it was a sermon our senior pastor taught a couple of weeks ago, maybe I'm trying to remember. I think it was, that's where I heard this. He was using it. Whoever this was, was using an illustration about, um, you know, at banks when they're trying to teach people how to spot counterfeits. Yeah, Yeah. What they don't do is show them examples of, hundreds of different types of counterfeits so they could see what a counterfeit looks like. Mm-hmm. They make them memorize what yeah. the authentic dollar bill looks yeah, like yeah. so that when they see something that's not authentic, they can easily distinguish it from imitations. Yeah. And I think that's what you have to do yeah. as a as a man who's yeah. a husband and a father, especially a father of, of girls, yeah. right? Yeah. It's one thing, you know, because they need, you know, sons can maybe just emulate dad, mm-hmm. but you have to teach daughters a whole other thing there, which is so cool, an opportunity that you have to show them Jesus and also yeah. for them to see you who's trying to model what a good husband looks like. Mm-hmm. By the way, you talked to Katie, but you're trying to show them the most authentic version of masculinity, not point out all the bad versions of it and say, hey, this is what it doesn't look like. Mm-hmm. You just have to you just have to walk the walk. And that's got to be hard in this world because, you know, sin is creeping at the door, you know? talking about being humble like that's like one of the hardest things for men to do apologize to your wife in front of your kids ask for your children your seven-year-old's forgiveness yeah. when maybe she's kind of being a brat today but you did mess up so you gotta you gotta go to her and be like hey I'm, i messed up you know yeah it's the i'd say <laughs> the hardest the hardest balance on like you the last thing you said is like okay so emsley's my my seven-year-old she's my oldest so she's in i so she's she likes to argue. She's like her dad where like she she'll point out the, like okay, you may have got all this right, but let me point out this this flaw in your logic. And the problem is is that as a dad, I still also have to like while I'm supposed to resemble humility, I also have to 
tell her like, hey, there's a point when you've got to lay it down and you've got to surrender to the fact that I am your authority. And yeah. so it's hard because that's the thing I'm currently working through. Yeah. If anybody out there has any sort of life advice, <laughs> I'm more than welcome to take it because um, she she, uh, um, she enjoys she enjoys a little bit of litigation and and uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but it's like it's interesting. What at what point do I lay down my sword and and say okay, like you know, but at the same, you know, so for balancing that, that place of authority over her while also doing it in a, in a humble way. Yeah. Um, that's, that's something I think that you only do through the Holy Spirit. And maybe that's part of what I'm lacking is, you know, a little bit of the Holy Spirit's guidance and, and asking more in prayer on how to handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something openly, like I'll say, I haven't, I haven't necessarily been praying over. I'm just hoping that she just like comes down under the mighty hand of dad. And, <laughs> <and> just like, <laughs> that's funny. You know? Yeah. I feel like, yeah, it's an interesting balance to play there because mm-hmm. you have to be humble, but you also have to be dad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I wonder, we talked about this the other day when we were talking about doing this podcast. What, what is it that you think is producing and I'll use a term you used the other day, such a masculine itch in Mm. society, in our world. Maybe we'll just talk about the West, our Western culture that we live in. You know, we can't speak for other things, but in America today, there there is a strange masculine itch. I feel like there's one going the one direction. Like you said, maybe there's a hyper response to mentally abusive and emotionally distant dads. Yeah. Which got cruci- uh, produces effeminate men, right? Yeah. And then there's almost this whole, I don't know if you want to call it conservative or what kind of movement it is to like back to a version of hyper masculinity or, or whatever you want to call it, where maybe yeah. we're taking, we're going, the, we're doing the David Goggins thing where we're like, there is no emotion. There's just, you yeah. know, pick up the boat and run, you know? Yeah, yeah. What is it that is producing this masculine itch? Is it even. Are we looking for the wrong thing? Yeah, yeah. So I'd say there's a couple different facets of that question. Sure. Um, one, um, you know, we're glory seekers within our within ourselves, mm-hmm. and right, like social media has given us all like all platforms to be able to, you know, show our accomplishments, um, show to the other guys like, look, I'm a I'm a purple belt in jujitsu, and like yeah. I'm clearly like I'm. A, you know, I'm BA, you know? (laughs) And, and so like, it's, it's one way to put ourselves on this. Like we size ourselves up and we have a barometer of our accomplishments. And so it's like, okay, this thing within, um, my circle, it also depends on your circles too, right? Like you want to be accepted by your, by your, uh, you know, your culture, you know, by, by the, your society. And so, um, in the, in the police world, like we, typically fall into the like the hyper masculine but it's like so and so pulls 500 plus pounds of the deadlift like he's a man like yeah you know um but uh, quite frankly like i'm not running the same race as them yeah you know that I, I i feel like i have to say this and this is the thought process i've had i've had to preach this to myself i'm not running the same race if 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 somebody else pulls more weight than me on the deadlift or they're, you know, better at jujitsu than me, but the rest of my life is falling apart. Like I lost the most important race. The most important race is whether first and foremost, whether I, um, loved my, whether I am cultivating a relationship with the Lord 
individually with him. And then, um, and then with my wife, loving her as Christ loves the church, laying his life down for her. And then, you know, telling my kids about the gospel and then everybody else around me. So I'm running a different race than these, these people. And I have to preach this to myself. The truth is you have to preach it to yourself because when you're in sort of these masculine cultures and just even on social media in general, depending on what's popping up in your feed, you're going to be sitting there thinking, Mm -hmm. what can I do to kind of like get another lap ahead of the next guy and, and newsflash, like you're never going to be, you might get a couple notches ahead of the guy that you're currently thinking about getting ahead on, but then you're going to, you're going to find out there's somebody else like six laps ahead of you. And as Christians, we have to remember, like, our goal is not to be able to like show our, our, the belt that we currently hold and whatever, uh, martial art, you know, that we're currently participating in. Um, like it's, are we pointing people to the Lord? Yeah. And so our races are completely different. While none of those hobby, all those hobbies, like they have benefit. Like I thoroughly enjoy jujitsu. I thoroughly enjoy enjoy exercising. Like all these things are good, but they can't ex- come at the expense of those other priorities. Um, yeah. So um, I know I didn't answer your question, no. Matt. So I apologize. No, that's great. I think that's. I think it's important to point that out because. When you you mentioned Instagram or, or social yeah, yeah. media, everyone's watching other people running their own race. Yeah, and I'm not. We don't have to dive into which races, who's running a which race well. You know, yeah, talking yeah. about big figures. But anytime I look at someone and go, man, let's use the deadlift thing for example. Mm-hmm. In case anyone's curious, I cannot deadlift 500 pounds. <laughs> so I'm like, man, it'd be great to deadlift 500 pounds. I'm gonna put twice as much training than I normally do in my in my physical workouts mm-hmm. to get to that point. Yeah. What did I just lose two hours on? Yeah. You know, I, I, I put my race and I deviated it so far and I got mm-hmm. to someone else's. Yeah. Whether that's a good thing or bad thing, right? Being able to deadlift that much weight. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that could be a good thing. Could have some quick Could it could yeah. be a bad thing, right? But I just what am I idolizing, yeah. right? Yeah. Is it good that I can lift that much weight? Like, yeah, great. I'm stronger than I used to be. Why did I do that? What was the purpose? You know? Yeah. And I think you you hit the net the Ned the head on the nail yeah. when you mentioned this race thing because that's probably a big thing that men in our day and age, especially I would say even in the church, yeah, don't understand is what race are you running? Mm-hmm. Do you know what your race looks like? Yeah. Okay, where do we get that from? As believers, mm-hmm. we believe that God's word is authoritative. His Holy, the Holy Spirit is speaking in our lives. Yep. Do we know what God wants us to do? Mm-hmm. If you're single as a man, do you know what God wants you to be doing with your life? Mm-hmm. If you're married as a husband, do you know how God wants you to love your wife, treat mm-hmm. your spouse? If you have children, in your case, well, I guess my case, but my son's, I'm, I'm encroaching into, I'm in a weird spot, right? My eight yeah. month old, I don't discipline him. You know, this is like, he doesn't really, <laughs> Yeah. he's still in like the, does he need food? All this weird you, stuff. But what, what is my, what is our race? Yeah. And, and, and what am I doing to make sure I do not deviate from what God has called me to do? Mm. That, to me, is biblical masculinity. Mm. I'm going to be the man God's called me to be, and I'm not going to deviate from it. Yeah. You know, he talks about all these, you know, influential figures. We talk about David Goggins again, you know. Yeah. Navy SEAL, ultra marathon runner. People look at him. And, listen, what he does is impressive. People look at him and go, man, that guy's got discipline. Yeah. The real discipline is kind of like what you said. 
this is my race and I'm sticking to it. I'm yeah. not going to deviate from it. I'm not going to let the world tell me how to run mm. the race. I'm not, I'm not going to let anyone tell me how to do this. I'm going to follow the Lord. Yeah. That's where I see discipline, self-control. Yeah. Which is, I guess, the biblical version of discipline, self-control. But yeah, I think men don't know what race they need to run. Yeah. I think they find themselves running off on... Uh, until maybe until the Lord and His grace brings them to find that this, yeah. the, that race is actually self, it's it's detrimental to, to actually the true goal and it, and it ends up hurting yourself because you know the reality is that it's idolatry and I'm I'm not impressed by David Goggins. Maybe I'm impressed by the fact that David Goggins can um, you know. Uh, his discipline is is impressive, but the, here's the thing: like, if God did, took the governor off on my soul and told me, and and I and I was in the place to be permitted to to run any race that I want, here's the reality: is our souls are thirsty for glory, and we will do anything we can get, anything we can do to get it, and so. It, of course, there's men running until their knees are, are basically like falling apart yeah. because they're trying so hard to chase this glory. What's what's actually like impressive is when a man can lay his life down for his family. When when somebody can can do something truly for the glory of God and lay down them their self. That's actually impressive. Of course, there's men out there that are are mm-hmm. running hard after things that are self glorifying. Like, that's not impressive. It's not impressive to me that, like, it'd be one thing. That's the, that's the norm. Yeah. But it's not impressive though, because of, it benefits us. Like it benefits, it benefits me, myself, and I to pursue all of my own vain pursuits, all of my own glory that like, Mm. but that like, that's easy. It's easy to take that road. Tell yourself you're going to go run three hours all for you. Go lift three hours in the gym all for you. Go, go be the baddest man that you can possibly be all for you. That's not impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's one thing if you actually are doing it for somebody else. Um, and, and make no mistake, there are plenty of godly Christian men in the career field that I'm in, in the military, that are doing it for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. They are running the proper race and they're actually doing very similar things to men like David Goggins where they're running till their knees are falling out. But guess what? The difference is they're doing it for the glory of God. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, take like um, Adam Brown. If uh, he, um, There's a biography on him called Fearless. Like, great story. Like, and he, his family sacrificed. You know, he, he sacrificed. And... Um, getting to see his kid, you know, hit that first home base, like first first book in the, you know, a little bit of a ruiner for anybody who goes out and reads it, but like um, the first first page in the book, he's writing to his daughter and his son that he won't be there to see them slide in on home base, and he probably like in the way that he had to train, train very similar to guys like, uh, you know, Jocko Willink and, and David Goggins and, and whatnot. But the difference is the heart and the, uh, the heartbeat behind it, the pulse that's pushing you forward. What's on your mind? What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about you or are you thinking about, um, you know, the person that you're actually fighting for? Um, so I'm not really impressed by the David Goggins out there because 
I, my flesh, would love to be able to pursue things like all these other um, men. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's my flesh. Of course I want those things. So what, you're, what I'm hearing you say is seeing men who have discipline and self-control to say, not the same discipline we're talking about with the guy like David Goggins, this yeah. one to keep running, but the discipline to know what is enough, what my priorities need to be. Yeah. That's more impressive than some guy who can just do it all for himself. Yeah. 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 I mean, what point of, uh, we're supposed to emulate Christ. What point of like laying ourselves down mm-hmm. is, is too far. Well, Christ went all the way to the cross. Yeah. You know, that is the David. You want to see the real David Goggins? Look yeah. at Jesus Christ. Yeah. Cause he laid himself all the way down to the point of, you know, death. And like he, who's going to carry the boats? Who's going to carry the cross? <laughs> you know, I feel like people don't know what that means, but that's the funniest thing. I, I knew that you were going to say that. So <laughs> David Goggins. And he, if anyone knows anything about Hell Week, SEAL training, they carry those, what are those called? I mean, I know they're boats, but they're oh, just inflatable, like yeah, yeah. massive yep. boats. And they all get under and they carry them in and out of the water. Yeah. And David Goggins loves saying, who's going to carry the boats? But yeah, man, that's the, uh, you're, you're making a good point. Um, you can carry those things all you want, but yeah. it doesn't matter. If you're carrying the wrong thing to the wrong place, to use this analogy that we've woven, yeah. if you're carrying the wrong thing to the wrong place, who cares? Mm-hmm. What is it you're going to carry? Are you going to carry your family? Yeah. Where are you going to carry them? Are you going to carry them to Jesus? You know, mm-hmm. What is the most important thing? And so what I'm hearing you say, and this is going to be hard for some people to hear, biblical masculinity is not always so glamorous. No. Sounds it's like it's kind opposite. of like more like dirty jobs it, than it is standing on the podium winning the gold medal. Here's the reality is it hurts. Man, that Spencer, what do you mean? What do you I, masculinity, how can that hurt? It, how can this be how can this not be the most fun pursuit? It sounds like what you're saying is I'm going to have to a lot of sacrifice, a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow. I'm not going to get what I want. Yeah. That's that's that can't be masculinity. Who's who's going to carry the boats? The problem is mm-hmm. you don't get to look cool like yeah. On uh, watching some, you know, being some recruit on Bud's Hell Week, like that you get to watch on on YouTube. Yeah. You know, you you end up being the dad who's grinding it out with really, um, you know, no glory to himself, but but because you know, like, because because of love, ultimately, like it's not in vain though. Like it's sure. not in vain. Yeah. Like, m- my wife and kids are the most important people to me. And so it's not in vain. I know that that work is is definitely not in vain. Um, but it's not, I don't get to get the glory for it. And that's even one of the dangers, right? Like, um, if you want to go out, we can be, we can, we could start up some Christian trend on social media of being like me being the dad carrying my cross, right? And like, yeah. there's some of the dangers of even if my wife like posts me doing something like, with my kids it's like oh yes let them see that this is who i am you know but it's like that there's a danger there there's a danger behind social media because it, it tends to um be it, it can be self it's not in, uh, inherently sinful but it almost is you know uh, and so really it's it's not self the opposite you know carrying the boats is is not self-glorifying hmm. yeah a lot of uh, a lot of work in silence. No one gets to see the the end result. You know, it's uh, not a lot of uh, public 
ROI. People get to see this whole return yeah. on what you're doing. And that doesn't sound very, you know, why would anyone do that? If no one's going to see it, we live in that culture, right? Why would anyone do anything if no one's going to see it? I'll give you an example. And I'm obviously being facetious, but I'll give you an example of like, maybe some people can understand this. I carry, I wear a fitness watch all the time. My Apple watch. Mm-hmm. I use it when I work out. Sometimes if I forget to wear it when I work out, I'm like, did I even work out? Didn't, mm. didn't even count. Yeah. Obviously, that's not true. Right. right. And I worked out all weekend with you. We didn't. I didn't have my watch on. I'm like, yeah. oh, this feels good. I could still work out, and it doesn't. I didn't see it on my screen. Yeah, yeah. But that's. I feel like how people think about anything. What's the mm. point of being? So there you go. My Apple Watch is <laughs> now, now talking to me. It knows. What's the point of, of loving my family, caring for my family, serving the Lord, honoring God, if people don't know about it? You know, I feel like that's that's a pushback, right? I I can't be thinking that in isolation and obviously i know that's not true but what would who who cares you know if if, i feel like that's the point that's the hard part that we got to get even christian men to understand right that there is something much more important here than even doing the right thing for the wrong reasons because i think that's the plague in the church if you've been in the church long enough you're a man if you go into a solid church right you probably are getting preached at you know what biblical masculinity should look like yeah but I think a lot of us will struggle to do that if no one's going to see it, if no one's going to pat us on the back. Like you said, if no one's going to – my yeah. wife's not going to post me being a good dad. If no one knows, who cares? And I think we have our priorities mixed up. Yeah. yeah I'd say the first off, um, there's a couple different things within what you what you said. It's like – and, and it, we got to, you know – look at our salvation you know fear and fear and trembling like what are we doing this for what yeah. have you been doing this for and it's it's we get to look back and say like okay maybe god's bringing us to a point like the next step in our sanctification where we're stopping going okay i'm running this i've been running this vain race it's time for me to repent of this and turn and start getting back on the race um that god set before you mm-hmm. um or it's a moment when we say whoa Am I, am I, was I ever actually running the race? Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I'll be the first to say I get sidetracked all the time daily. Mm -hmm. Daily, I get sidetracked pursuing my own little races. It only takes a second for my mind to go. And, uh, um, but these are, you know, um, introspective moments and we allow the Holy Spirit to work and, and then we need a strength to be able to stop glorifying ourselves and ask him to crucify the flesh and allow us to walk in obedience to him you know hmm. um, but that's not something that comes of our in and of ourself like within our flesh we're we're just doomed to pursue the, the pursuit of our own glory um, so it's a, it's running the proper race there's a um, it's a Holy Spirit born and given yeah you know for sure. So here's my question then. Just thinking about all this. How do we, what, what can we do as men in the church? Not just thinking you and me individually. But let's just say the men in the church who, who hear what we're saying and we go, yes, I agree, I got this. What can we do as men in the church to make this something that just flourishes in in the church in America? How, how can we get... What, is, what do we need to do to get men acting like men? And when I, say, when I say men, I mean the men that God has called us to be. What's the link that's missing? Because if this truth is in Scripture, right, 
if, if, if Christ is all we need, if, if he's the model for men, obviously men in the church should know that, but maybe there's a fault, right? We're not getting that. Mm-hmm. The church, is, church needs to be a beacon in a dark place, right? If we're the embassy in a foreign land, what, what are we missing? Why isn't the church being effective in this area? What can we pot? What can we do going forward? Yeah, um, what I if I had the the perfect answer, then I'd be solving you know <laughs> the world's problems probably par- at least partially. Like we would make a substantial jump. Yeah, I could I could get a Nobel Peace Prize from <laughs> obviously not the legitimate place that gives those out whoever gives those out but um <laughs> the nobel peace prize yeah, yeah, organization yeah, i don't even like, know i've never been in the running for one so um i would say that you know it's comes wait, down wait, to I, us before you finish that maybe let's make it practical what can men who are listening to this right now who go yeah i, I agree with what they're saying i have a family i can impact what can they do because maybe that's more impactful than just throwing this broad question out right yeah. What can what can an individual man with a family? First, I'm going to give this? out the two basic, like super basic, Christian answers, but cannot be overlooked. And when I say cannot be overlooked, meaning if you do overlook them, all the other, the, any other advice is, that I give yeah. you is going to be null and void. Great. Um, prayer and being in the Word personally. Um, seek, do, then teach. And so, um, but I would say out, outside of if you're Hitting those two steps, and I'll be the first to tell you, I, I fall short within my personal prayer time. I need to increase in my personal prayer time um, in time in the Word. Take that more seriously. Like, you want to see the transformation happen in you as a man? Like, get in the Word. Um, and and also accountability. Like, you cannot overlook the aspect that iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Finding someone who you do believe or a group of people that you do believe are are walking this walk and and being open to hearing the hard truth because here's the hard truth like when i when i spoke about eric um talking to me he had some truth that cut like cut me down like i thought i had it together like honestly early on in marriage it was like well i'm not the problem she's the problem it's like eric had news news flash after news flash for me like week in week out meeting with meeting with him and, and, uh, so I'd say accountability and being actually open to hearing the hard stuff. Um, so those would be my like first and foremost bits of advice. But mm-hmm. then the next, like my, my random, like practical bit of advice would be like, look at your time. Like, what are you spending your time doing and how are you spending it? And in, are you enjoying like the opportunity to be able to read to your kids? Are you, um, enjoying you know, the opportunity to be able to spend time with them. And, um, you know, as I speak from the, the fatherly perspective, but then also like, this is a hard one, man. Like take your wife out on a date, love her, make her more of a priority than, you know, the other things that she your kids and your wife know what your priorities are and allow them to speak to that. I would say that your wife is like, and, and don't make this like definitively true when I say prophetess because you know but like I would say your wife is is sort of the prophetess of your life like she knows where you're falling short Mm -hmm. more than anybody else does yeah listen to her like listen because the moments I've listened to my wife I can say 100% I would not have accomplished all the worldly things like 
manly wise if it weren't for my wife yeah. because I was not an actual man. My wife knew more about being a man than I knew about being a man. And so listening to her was some of the most, the best advice that I had. Do not, when you, and Katie, I know you're going to be listening to this. I need to work at this. <laughs> like listening to our wife when she has a correction, don't sit there and correct her for your correction. Like sit and stew on that. Let that, let that saturate. I'm going to come home after she listens to this and she's going to be like, I loved your advice. You should really listen a little better. Cause, <laughs> I gotcha. Because, uh, but That's funny. I know that even in the moments when I've reluctantly listened to my wife, it's going better for me. Uh, yeah. Because God has given her as a helper and uh, my wife is a lot wiser than I am in the moments that I've listened to her. Even reluctantly, it's gone better for me. Yeah. Um, look at your time. And uh, listen to those closest to you on how you can be better prioritizing it. Because that's what you're going to be. You're going to be accountable to that, too. Not only, like, the things that you said, but how you spent your time. And uh, that's very, very, Mm -hmm. like, limited. You get very slim hours when you come back home from a work day. um, And uh, those minutes add up. 15 minutes here or there, like, it all adds up. Yeah, for sure. I want to hit on the time thing at the end one time one thing we do even you don't listen to this podcast so you wouldn't even know right right one of the things we like to do is challenge our audience with something practical they can do between now and the next time we have a podcast so i I have something in mind based on what you just said okay before we get there we're coming up to an hour here which is probably like this is kind of where our 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 podcasts lie you know they they, they go from like 30 to an hour plus whatever this isn't the joe rogan experience where we talk for nine hours you don't want to do a four hour i mean i would love to but Mm -hmm. i I don't speaking of our wives i just got to oh this is you guys are you have no idea what i have to say i just got a text from my wife who knows we're here Mm -hmm. and she texted me that my son is still asleep but you have no idea right now he has not been sleeping well today oh so this is just like the most glorious text i just received i'm so happy Anyway, I want to give you a chance to hit on anything else you want to talk about in this area before we kind of wrap this up because I don't know if we're going to have – we don't live together. We don't live right. in the same state. I don't know if we're going to be able to do this again anytime soon. Maybe we could do a long-distance Zoom call, podcast things. I feel mm-hmm. like um, I feel like you have a lot of great things to say on this, regardless of if you want to say it's because you're figuring it out or because you're learning from experience, whatever it is. Is there anything about this topic, masculinity in the church – this masculine itch, what we're trying to get out of this that you want to hit on before we kind of wrap it up. Hmm. This whole masculinity in our world, masculinity in the church. Got anything else? I don't want to, I don't want this time to end and you just like, man, I wish I would have talked about this, which I'm sure we both will do by the time we get out of here. But Yeah. I mean, again, like I'm not, I'm not hating on the different like cool hobbies and, and, and things out there, but sure. in the end, like, all those things are really hobbies, and if they're not done for the glory of God, like what? They're they're just you know vain pursuits. Um, you know what I think about like what God's perspective of you being a man is, and and stop considering like what the world's perspective is of you as a man, hmm. um, because that's when you're gonna find yourself continually like getting confused and running the opposite race like who are you running it for like the optics of who you know the people on social media the people around you even people within the church like do they see me as this 
perspective of a biblical man. Um, because even that within itself is it's idolatry. It's, it's idolizing the opinions of others. Um, and here's the danger, right? Is that we find ourselves doing all the biblically practical things with, for the wrong, wrong reasons. And that's still dangerous, just as dangerous, if not more dangerous. Um, so consider doing it actually because God, God is watching you and, uh, not in this like, you know, um, condemning way, but for the glory of God, the, the one who like loves you so much, like we do things out of gratitude and not, and not out of guilt, hopefully. Um, yeah, you know, I don't have a whole lot of, uh, I would say young men, like truly like listen to your wife. Like you're young and you're young in your marriage. Like listen to her. Um, he's looking right at me no. while as he says this, <laughs> piercing my soul. Uh, Matt, you're in a way better spot than I was at. I don't know about that. Brother. Early. I don't know for sure, man, for sure. Um, I've learned a lot of hard. I'm about to delete my social media. I've learned a lot of run 20 miles for the Lord every day. My (laughs) son on my back. Um, No, I I would say like, listen to your, listen to your wife. Like, and, and like when you're pursuing like career things, like you're making career decisions, I consider them, um, listen to them. Um, Hmm. And uh, you know, I didn't like, I resisted so much to so many different things that my, my wife had to say and reality check. Like, you start listening to your wife, there's a good chance you're going to propel your like masculinity like tenfold. Um, you know, so if you really want to be a man, start, like, start listening to your wife. Like, and there's times when there's going to be things that you got to give her resistance on. We were just talking about money yesterday and, and I had to be like the, um, the not so fun guy, you know, talking about these different things that we want to buy all great things great things that are good for the home good for the family but like a flour mill that did get purchased <laughs> while i left that got purchased I saw that on facebook i'm like who is katie she's buying a flour mill she, yeah yeah you got a little house on the prairie she, sorry i derailed that i just thought that was funny i saw it this morning yeah, she bought she bought that there was uh there's a lack of consent there i'm putting you on blast babe i'm <laughs> so. so sorry katie yeah. I can't wait to – I don't even know what a flower But I would is. say, like, men, like, if you want to be a man, take on the responsibility and don't complain about it like like I did, you know, at 19, 20 years old. Like, and, yeah. you know, you want to be – you want to be, like, a biblical man. Stop thinking about, like, how you're going to carry the boat and be David Goggins. Like, start thinking about how you're going to carry your cross. Hmm. Um, so that's, like, really – that's really it, man. I, yeah. I pray and ask him to help you because you're not doing this on your own i'm not doing this on my own yeah um so and i like how you said we're not designed you basically were saying hey pray read god's word find accountability we were not designed to do this on our own no and it's funny again i'm i'm joking with you but i know you don't listen to our podcast or haven't but we talk about that literally on every podcast i bet people are so annoyed we talk about hey you cannot do the Christian life in isolation. You need community. You need accountability. So the you fact can't. that you said that without me, I didn't tell him to say that. It's perfect because that is like the theme of this thing. Like we are hitting hard this idea. You know, the armory, the reason we call it that, you know, an armory is where weapons are stored for battle. Mm-hmm. What are our weapons? One of them is Christian community and accountability. Yeah. 
And the fact that you said that out of the blue, I mean, not out of the blue, but the fact that you brought it up is just perfect. Be, be in like, here's the thing. Like, it's one thing to like, okay, I'm being, I'm in community and I'm around, I'm around people who love the Lord and like, they're giving me advice. But are you exposing the darkest parts of your heart? The darkest, the, Mm. the worst, worst parts of you are you exposing those things because if you're not like Satan has power over yeah, you. Yeah. He can't live in the light. Yeah. He sins in the light. And He's got no power. Yeah. And so if what you're considering being in community is like going to cook out with friends or going out to dinner with friends, but they don't know you. They don't know what you're struggling with. And when I say struggling, I mean like the part that would be embarrassing for you to talk about. If they don't know those things, like then you're not really living with the full power of what community is. And so confess your sins to God and you'll be forgiven. Confess them to a brother and you'll be healed. So um, don't hide things in the light. Painfully confess them to a brother so that you can strip Satan of the power and you can start living, um, you know, righteously. Hmm. You know, uh, you totally cut circuits um, from the Holy Spirit when you when you s- stop doing what when you quench him and and uh, you don't confess things and uh, you want to see like the power if you're if you're listening to this and you're a struggling Christian like you need to confess it confess things to your brother and start you know you'll see the power change yeah. in your life for sure yeah one of the things I hope too with this podcast as people are listening is I hope the the single men, didn't just check out. Like this is so much for you too. Oh Thinking about someone who maybe wants to be married, someone who wants to pursue a spouse, someone who wants yeah. to have a family. These are the things you need to start working on if you can. Yeah. Well before you enter your marriage. Like man, things that I would have been doing if I thought about this sooner. Like how God wants me to be a husband, how God wants me to be a father. If I thought if I was thinking about those things when I was like 16, 18, man, how much easier my marriage would be. And for the single men who maybe don't feel that God's called them to be married, you're going to be in community. You're talking about Christian community. You're going to be in circles of men who are. You're going to be, you are part of this idea of masculinity. Mm-hmm. You have a responsibility, even if you don't have a family, yeah, to be a man who is after God's own heart, to be a man, who, who someone who displays yeah. biblical masculinity in the world. Yeah. And for the women who are listening to this, who are, this is so applicable for you too, because if you're a wife, you want this for your husband. If you have children, right, you want this for their father. Yeah. Again, if you're a woman who's not married, right, you want this for your spouse. Mm-hmm. So I hope that you, no one, I hope this wasn't a checkout kind of thing because this is, unfortunately and fortunately, can be both. Biblical masculinity affects everything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just affect men. It affects mm-hmm. women. It affects families. It affects communities. It affects the world. Yeah. Um. So we got to be on mission. One of the things I want to do, and I want to go back to that thing you talked about, time. I want to give kind of a challenge for people listening to this. And you mentioned how important it is to evaluate our time and what we're spending time with. That yeah. kind of is an indicator, right, of what we love. Right. Um, what we put time into is very, very big indicator of what we it's, actually care about. It's what a little scary. Love. A little scary. Yeah. So think of it like this. If we're trying to trying to be honest and authentic with where do we, what do we love? What do we spend our time with? Mm-hmm. Almost want to think about the things we love doing as relationships, right? Where where are our relationships? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's look at our relationship with the Lord. This is something practical we could do this week, next couple weeks. This podcast comes out every two weeks, just because you didn't know, because you don't listen to the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'll I'll stop bragging on you. 
I'm, my feelings my, are so my, re- my relationship with the Lord, right? What does my time with that look like? Mm-hmm. My relationship with my spouse. If I look at throughout the day, throughout the week, what does that time look like? Am I prioritizing? Am I spending time with her? Same thing with kids. Mm-hmm. Once you leave that sphere, though, it gets a little dicey. Because we don't, if you feel uncomfortable calling it my relationship with working out, my relationship with hunting, my relationship with TV. Like, I don't like calling it my relationship with TV. Maybe it's not a good relationship you got. Like if I, I don't, I, I, we watch TV a lot at our house, especially at the end of the day. I have, I have to acknowledge it. I have a relationship mm. with social media. I don't really like that word, but it exists. So I have to evaluate it. Maybe, yeah. maybe I need to cut it out because I don't, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Maybe it's for a good thing. What, what is taking up the most of your time as men, as, as parents, as fathers, are you finding that a lot of your time is being taken up about things that do not benefit your family and mm-hmm. do not push them toward Christ? Yeah. Again, it's going to be hard to do that on your own. You have yeah. to do that in community. Ask people you know who care about you, who you trust, yeah. who will be honest with you. Hey, do you feel like I prioritize my family? <laughs> when they tell you, listen to them. They care about you, right? Yeah. If you don't have people that you can do that with, you need to find biblical community. Mm-hmm. But that's the challenge for this week is take stock of your time, mm-hmm. figure out where you're prioritizing your time and make the changes necessary. I, I'd be shocked if every, if anyone looks through that and goes, yeah, I, I do well with this perfectly. You know, if I, I'm thinking through it as I'm talking right now mentally, right? I already know. Like I'm glad you're in the same boat, bro. The time I spend with my wife in intentional time when like the day is over is weak, you know? Yeah. My time with my son, sometimes I'm like, he's eight months old. It's okay if he's just playing on the floor and I'm on my phone. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to make sure he doesn't kill himself. That's not real time. Like mm-hmm. maybe he won't remember it, but I, I won't either because I missed it. You know, I'm going to forget. Yeah. I'm like, I don't remember that. I don't remember when he was little because I was like on my phone the whole time. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm thinking through this right now. My time needs to be fixed. Yeah. So that's the challenge this week. And I hope that will encourage some people. You got anything else you want to add before we, this might be the longest podcast we've done. World record. Oh gosh. I'm going to get some crap from Chris. No, Chuck. this is great. Well, I think hers was around this time. So I think, oh, might, okay. Think we we just, can, I can have a rebuttal here. I think we might just beat him. We're just gotten <laughs> under. Yeah. But no. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything else before we, Wrap this bad boy up. Yeah. No, man. Um, time. It is important. It's a relationship. Each each thing that you do, you got a relationship with it. Man. Who do you care about most? Yeah. I just want to thank Spencer for being on the podcast. Um, I don't believe in flattery. I think it's a sin, but I think it's also a sin to not encourage uh, one another. And you are someone I look up to in this area. I think of you. I think of, I want to be a dad like Spencer. I'm not saying I want to be make the mistakes you make. Just like no one wants no, to make mistakes. Don't. I don't know the mistakes you make, but there are things you do that I'm like, I mean, I want to do those with my kids. I want to do that with my wife. So you are someone I look up to. Just, there's a reason I put you on the podcast. It wasn't just, oh, I'm bored. I know Spencer. He's down the street. Like, well, I get to- I, there, there was real intentionality behind it. So I want to thank you, one, for being an example to others because I think your example will affect people outside your family, whether you like it or not. And I think you're doing a great job. I know we can all be working on it, but I just want to thank you, really, because you have helped me in ways that you don't even know. So you could, I know you don't like hearing that, but take it in, in, in love and encouragement. Cause you've been a benefit to me in my walk with the Lord in ways you probably don't understand. So, well, I'm going to deflect and say, I, I wish I was in the place where you were at as early <laughs> on in marriage several years back. Now, granted the Lord used all of my, uh, my shortcomings and failures and still does, but no, it, yeah. to have to, to be walking as you are now, you know, 
this early on in marriage is it's um it's hard man you know so yeah um yeah i have the i'm giving the encouragement back to you i appreciate it you know so because <laughs> you're you're walking as much more of a biblical man than i did and uh in many ways than i do um so i would say the same you know i'd say the same to you bro listen man it's hard i'm just glad i don't have to do it by myself because i wouldn't i wouldn't make it wouldn't make it nope. i'm glad and hey i'm glad i have a wife who won't let me not be a biblical man for too long <laughs> when i get out of line when i do things that yep. are hyper hyper let's just use the culture toxic masculinity one way or, or the other way yeah um she says no not putting up with that crap yeah, yeah, yeah. so i what i'm really thankful for is katie and eliana our wives yes. <laughs> who who won't let us be anything less than biblical men they have, for more than an hour. <laughs> I think they have similar personalities in that, right? And, well, all and, three of those, all three of them, including the, yes. their mother, and <laughs> very much, and we love them for it. So you you brought up the the last bit of advice, and I you said, okay, is there any last things you were going to say? And I was like, man, crap, I forgot what I was going to say. Man, the, the battery's still going strong. Okay, we keep so, going. So, so the, the last, last thing I was going to say was, if you have a wife who is not like that, who does not openly speak like, where you need to be at as a man um you need to stop and be very very like open to her so that she feels comfortable speaking to you about those things because she could be kind of like the more naturally submissive wife like quiet okay and sure. like that's great like there there's great qualities there right like we each have different Don't, like yeah. um advantages to our wives in that right but i would say i have i have an advantage in my in my wife that she's not going to accept mediocrity yeah and so um you need to if your wife is quiet like man my wife she thinks i'm the best woke up news you're probably not okay you're probably you probably not have created a place in your marriage where she doesn't feel comfortable saying things to you without you lashing out at her yeah back yeah. to that ownership thing it's on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe she's naturally like that. Maybe she's naturally afraid to speak up and she, or she's just naturally more quiet and, and, and submissive. Like I said, I, but you know what? Like there needs to be um, an open platform because yeah. you are going to catapult yourself as a man by, by having the wisdom of your wife talking to you. Yeah. Um, God has placed her there to speak to you. So if you don't have my wife way wiser than me, um, she also lets me know. And, uh, and, and, and I don't say that in a a derogatory way, like 100%, like if I'm, if I'm not walking in, uh, in step with the Lord or at least like doing the things biblically, cause she doesn't know exactly what's on my heart all the time. Um, she's going to let me know. And that's a, there's a blessing there. There's been a blessing there for me. I needed that. Um, so, and if you're a man who's like irritated that your wife lets you know, like, shut up, bro. You're resisting the Lord. You're not, you're not resisting your wife. Like, you, yeah. you know, I'm not going to say that hundred percent of the time. Sometimes <laughs> wives can be wrong, you know, but it happens. Yeah. Share with her, right? Yeah. <laughs> Mine is least. It's funny. You say that I'll talk about vulnerability. I'll, I'll give you an insight into something that happened today. Cause again, this, like I said, all these things we're talking about, we go, we struggle with daily yeah, today yeah. at the grocery store. Before we recorded this podcast, we were fighting about, what time we need to get home to feed our son because he hadn't slept and he was super hungry, but he's also super tired. Mm-hmm. And I was just really short with her. And this is what my wife does because she's kind. When I mess up, 
the first thing she does to me is she apologizes for any way she might have messed up to give me an opportunity to apologize as well. And when I normally don't take that out and I just go, eh, it's fine. Then she comes down and goes, listen, you're being a bum. <laughs> so she hasn't done that yet today, but I'm going to go home and apologize before she does because I know I didn't handle that well. So I'm, I've been thinking about this whole podcast. I'm like, man, she's so kind to me. I was so short with her. She's been nothing but but concerned about our son, and I just I was just being a butt. So go home and fix that. I'm going to go home and fix that after this. Yeah. <laughs> Happens, man. Yeah, so, I thought she still loves me because she loves the Lord. Sa- <laughs> That's why. Yeah, same token at the beginning of this podcast when I did <laughs> when I discussed the, the actually at the beginning when I discussed talking about sex and whatnot. I want to make sure that I speak about my my wife, you know, in a respectable light, uh-huh. right? Like, um, we did not get married just because of sex right let's let's make that clear that's um that's a benefit that's a benefit of it but uh yeah no um (laughs) yeah i would say she she had a obvious love for the lord and she was beautiful those two things uh that was a yeah see listen this is what community does as we are going through this podcast we're realizing our shortcomings and we're fixing them so yeah anyway i got got, plenty yeah if it's me too we can we can fill a podcast with them so Anyway, guys, we hope you enjoy this podcast, and um, Ileana will be back next time. We'll be back to our regular thing. We are finishing. We finished up our series on um, the fruit of the spirit, so we'll have to let you guys know what we're going to do next. But we will see you guys soon. Mm-hmm.